everyone. Welcome to By Design with Lynn and Danette. We're so glad you're here. I'm Lynn. And I'm Danette. And our hope is that this is a space where you'll find encouragement for your home and for your soul. We have real conversations about God, interior design, and all the things we love. Our hearts are to encourage women to run their race, to keep their eyes on God. And somehow we managed to offer up some design advice for your homes in between. We share from our real life experiences. And from time to time, we talk to some amazing guests. You guys, we're so, so excited because today is one of those days and we have the ever-talented Shannon Martin on By Design today. Woohoo! It's so cool because um, we followed her for a while on Instagram and read her blogs and she's just such a grifted writer. I'm I'm really excited for you guys to listen to her because I just know you'll be blessed. You're going to love her. And hey, check out our website, bydesignpodcast.com, where you'll find links to all our shows and the things that we talk about. There are even links to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and now Pinterest for all you Pinterest people out there. You can listen to our show right there on our website by just hitting the play button. And there are links to subscribe via iTunes or your Android devices. And if you want to hear us talk about something specific, feel free to email us at info at bydesignpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so we're so excited to have Shannon here today. You guys are just going to love her. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're so thrilled that you are here. I am thrilled to be here. So great. And you, your new book, Falling Free, has been, it's like a week old, right? It's or over yes, a week old. It's like 10 days old. Oh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I didn't know how I was going to feel. Honestly, that's the big question that everybody's asking. How are you feeling? Uh, I feel mostly normal, which is what I was praying that I would feel. Oh, Yay. Great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I didn't want, I didn't want to feel worse than normal and I didn't want to feel like way better than normal. I just, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. want the pressure of, of having an expectation, you know, either that I was super disappointed and how everything, or, you know, sad or feeling really insecure. I didn't want that for sure. But I also didn't want this feeling of like, you know, now my book is out and I'm super awesome. No. So yeah, but that's you know, just... like you get, you get a lot of attention and it can be a little, I just wanted to really take it all in stride. And that's very like, I it's, it helps that I've just had very, you know, I had a sick child and then I had doctor's appointments and then, mm-hmm. you know, you just have, you're still you still and you're still life. in your normal life. Yes, it's so comforting. We keep eating leftovers, and last night I was, like, scrounging, like, I need to go to the grocery store, but we're just going to have to figure something out, and that's just our life. That's so, so true. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just jump on the merry-go-round. It's not going to slow down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this is a, it, it's a little bit of a different season, but I, I mostly, this sounds so weird to say, but I, it's not at the forefront of my mind all the time, like, I have a book out. Like, I kind of forget until somebody contacts me or, you know, emails me or Facebooks me and says, I'm reading your book. And that's super fun to see. But mostly I'm just still Shannon, mom, Shannon from the black. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I it's love good. It. I love it. So um, what is next for you? Are you still like writing and are you resting right now? You know, I decided... Because so the day after my book launch, I flew to Nashville and I was there for five days. And so that was kind of a long and busy and fun trip. But then I got, and so while I was in Nashville, I got a 
like a stupid head cold, which I haven't had in years. And so, you know, I tend to have trouble when I travel. If you have known me very long, you know that this is a pattern in my life. (laughs) But I came home from that trip and I was just very worn down, you know, just so yesterday... I decided that yesterday was going to be like a very restful day. I made myself do it and it was awesome. And today has been a pretty slow as well. So yeah, I think I'm just like in a minute of rest and just letting myself do that. But I will be starting book two. Like I'm going to start. Wow. The next story. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting for us. I mean, I'm glad it's exciting for you because <laughs> I'm not there yet. Like, I am i haven't hit excitement yet. I'm mostly just in jangled nerves and anxiety and not feeling ready. And But, you know, we've, I mean, I've been talking for a while with my editor and my agent. And so they mm-hmm. agreed to let me kind of take it off of my plate while I was launching Falling Free. But we all kind of said, you know, maybe October, like the beginning of October would be. And so now I'm like, that's next week. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no rest for the weary for you. Right. That's great. I've heard before, like when people are are writing a book, by the time that it it comes out and, you know, it's the baby's born, you're already on to the next thing. So you kind of have to go back and remember where you were during Falling Free because you're writing a new book already. There's new things. God's doing more. Yeah. A lot of times I've heard that people are you know, they're writing, they're in the thick of the writing while they're launching the the first book, which is kind of how this was supposed to go for me. And I was just like, I can't, like, I really literally mm-hmm. can't do both well. And I, I, and so my publisher was, gave me a lot of grace and just, you know, they understood that, but I just, you know, you want to, you don't want to give half to both things. At least that's how, for me, it was hard I was getting confused when I was promoting doing interviews and stuff like that. I was starting to give answers that were more in my head from book two. Like I was Uh, having, yeah. Oh, that would be hard. It was because they're, you know, I'll write about, I tend to write about a lot of overlapping themes and stuff like that. So yeah, they, they let me kind of push pause on that, but next week it's, it's kind of game on for me, ready or not. Ah, That's great. Okay. So for some of our listeners, they may not have followed you uh, for as long as we have. So can you give us a little premise of falling free? Like the subtitles rescued from the life I always wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, my story is one of, you know, my family and I, my husband and I, we started off life in our marriage and just, you know, in careers and starting our family. And we just, we both grew up in a very um, simple and beautiful Christian family situation. We both had really pleasant childhoods, not a lot of drama or trauma. um, And beginning to understand as we grew into our marriage and particularly in the past, maybe four or five years, we've been married for 17 years now. So for the first 10 years of our marriage, it was very much this idea that we were on track to sort of build the Christian American dream and, Mm -hmm. you know, create a family and a home and a life that was very safe and secure and peaceful and comfortable. And God really got our attention and started to really shake us up that the gospel requires more of us than that. Mm. And that, you know, our, our world and our sort of the reality of just living life as we do had kind of muddied the waters on 
what it was that really matters most when it comes to walking out our faith. And specifically that we just weren't loving people like we should. We didn't know many people that were not exactly like us. Um, so falling free is the is sort of the full story of coming to a place of understanding that God was asking more of us and that his more was going to look like less. Yeah. Um, I love that part in your book. I That's one of my favorite things that I've like caught in there so far is that his more is always less. And mm-hmm. Lynn and I have conversations all the time and we say some of the things that we've read in your book about just God turning the world upside down. We think it's going to be one way, but he's always, he's doing, he's doing it in a way that's way more beautiful and humble. And it's, you know, it's shocking. Yeah. It, it shouldn't surprise us, but it does. I mean, we were taken really off guard. We kind of thought that, you know, the whole point of life was to keep acquiring and growing and climbing. And, you know, you never, we were conditioned to not want to take steps back. And so God was asking us to take a lot of steps back. And he was asking us to surrender our dream farmhouse and surrender our plans for our family, surrender our kind of high profile jobs that we Mm -hmm. had, surrender our income. I mean, just one thing after another, it was just like the world, you know, the, the bottom was kind of dropping out of our world. And we were terrified at first, like, what is going on? What is happening? Why are we, it it felt like a lot of stuff was being stripped away from us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it took us, a minute to really understand that this is, this is the way God moves a lot of times is he's not just a God that's going to give us, you know, all of the little material desires of our hearts. He's going to give us the stuff that we at our deepest self desire that we don't even know to ask for. So -hmm. we didn't even know, we didn't know that we wanted this really kind of weird life, but he knew, and he knew that this, you know, he knew that this was the desire of our heart. We just didn't know yet. <laughs> Amen. I can so relate to that. It's crazy. Just reading your intro. I was like, just struck by like, she's writing my story. This is I crazy. I felt the same way. I, so you're so relatable. And oh. I think we all have pieces of your story and our story. And it, yes. it kind of gives you freedom to look at what you're going through and say, okay, God is doing more. You know, I'm in this hard spot, but Shannon's been there. <laughs> exactly. Right. No, but there's grace for that. And I just love you articulate it so well. And I, I I loved it though, because that was us and mm-hmm. moving and all of these things. And it's true. Like I love when you said that it wasn't necessarily our dream, but God knew that this really is the the desire of our heart. Right. Yeah. I think I think everybody it's really fun to hear, you know, now that the book's out, it's been out for a little over a week. And it's fun to hear from people. Mm-hmm. I think when you're writing a book, you have the fear that, you know, is this going to resonate with people? Is this, oh, are people yeah. going to connect with my story? But it seems like people find a connection point. And I think, and I didn't necessarily know or trust that while I was writing, but I think every one of us has had to surrender something. And a lot of times, surrender can look to the world around us like failure. Right. And we process that as failure and we're afraid that people think we're a failure. We're we are afraid that we are a failure. You know, all of those right. human emotions. So I think it's it's reassuring to begin to reframe, you know, what does success in the context of the gospel and in the context of the kingdom of heaven, what does success look like? Because a lot of times success does look like failure. And that's mm-hmm. that's the life Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything about his life was very backwards and didn't make a lot of sense to the people around him. So why should it be any different for us? Yep. 
Amen. And you know, you were saying <laughs> in your book about holding the world loosely, and that's what Jesus did. And I think so often when we're holding things so tight, um, like the things that we have, you know, we we hold on because we want to keep them. We think we need them, but when Jesus strips them away, when we go through that pruning process, on the backside, you're so much happier. You know. Yeah. And, Honestly, a lot of times we do feel that deep contentment. We feel more content, more like, you know, this is the life that we were made to live. We also feel a lot sadder. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's an interesting, you know, I, I've said this before, but in the past several years, I mean, I've experienced more sadness mm. than I've ever known, but I've also experienced way more hope mm-hmm. than I've ever known. And so I think it's, you know, I think our faith requires things of us. And one of the things that that it requires of me is to um, to acknowledge that suffering and pain and sadness and, you know, bearing each other's burdens, like that can be almost a way of worship, you know, that we can yeah. feel that pain and we can allow ourselves to feel those contact burns from the pain happening around us. But we also get to experience hope and grace and a lot mm-hmm. of times, like just, you know, we have really funny moments and we, we do have a lot of happiness in our life now that we could not have imagined before. But it's just a, it's a mm-hmm. really, it's a little bit of everything for sure. Yeah. And that's the irony of it. It's just so, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's one of the things that lights my fire, like I'm so excited about is you guys getting in there and in your life, not just like doing a Bible study or, you know, reading a book or trying to take on Christian service things, you're yeah. living it. And that's the difference. If we get in and we get mm-hmm. our elbows dirty and we get down on the floor with the person next to us who's in the thick of it instead of stepping back into the safe zone. But when we get in right. there, when we experience what someone else is experiencing, God does a work mm-hmm. in us, but we have to be willing to get dirty. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all taught, you know, any of us that have been really in the church for a very long time, I mean, we're taught to kind of avoid pain and avoid discomfort. And, you know, what we come to see is that Jesus is inviting us into a lot of discomfort, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's confusing at first. It's confusing until you really let yourself see the world from a different angle and, you know, really from an upside down kind of perspective yeah. where everything we thought, you know, take the opposite of that. And that's probably closer to the way it was intended. <laughs> Absolutely. So how has it um, refined your family? Um, I think it's, I think that's just a work in, in process. Is it, is that right? Work in process or work in progress? Whatever the right way to Let's say Let's just that. say yes. I tend to mess work? everything up. So okay. every <laughs> so time much. I say that, I'm like, did I say that the right way? Is it right? Oh, you're we're, speaking our language. We're constantly, um, you know, we're just still a hot mess, mm-hmm. quite honestly. My family is... I don't know how to explain us. We are not like a super um, peaceful bunch. We are not a very darling bunch. We're not super churchy in the way that, you know, the church kind of views itself. And so for a, for a mm-hmm. long time, and even through writing this book, like I, I felt a little bit of the like, you know, you worry about being found out. Like, what if people knew? Like, are people assuming that we're super Christians and that we're you know, we're so on top of things with our kids and we're, you know, our kids just 
know everything about the Bible. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's not our reality. We are much more committed to living open-handed and with the door ajar. Like that's mm-hmm. our, our frame of reference is just, we are mm-hmm. going to try our best Mm-hmm. to live out the gospel in front of us. But we are not the family that sits around and does family devotions every night. I mean, <laughs> my have wild personalities. It's, so, it's so nice for me to hear that. <laughs> oh my I wish, like, I'm not bragging when I say that. I wish I that know? we could meet those people, but we just can't. Right. It's just not, just doesn't happen. So I think for, you know, I think our faith is just God is continually drawing us near, and He's continually cheering us on, and I feel that. And I that's what I want my kids to know. That's what I speak to my kids about a lot, is just letting them understand God's grace and God's love for them, that it's unconditional, you know, and also inviting my kids into the story of bearing each other's burdens. And that's a hard thing for kids. I have to remind myself because, you know, kids are kind of hardwired to be self-serving and selfish and just like we all are. Um, so I have to remind myself that I can't expect my kids to be at the ages of 8 and 10 and 11 where I am at the age of 40. Mm-hmm. You know, I even just in the past five years, my faith has grown exponentially as we've begun to just surrender a lot of these parts of our lives. But, you know, I'm still, I'm way ahead of them in years. And I just hope that, uh, my hope for my kids is that we're just setting them up so that, you know, I, I believe God uses our kids now. I don't think that hmm. that God is training them up to, you know, to use them when they're adults. I mean, I think they are, God tells us to come to Him as they do. Absolutely. They have a very stripped down faith and they have a, you know, my kids ask a lot of questions. They are, we try to create an environment where they don't have to give all the right answers, you know, the Sunday school answers. So they express doubts, they express apathy. I mean, and so those things can be frustrating and even a little scary to see as a parent. But, you know, I just, I hope that they get it a little earlier than I did. That's my hope. My Mm -hmm. hope is that they, that they don't wait until they're 35 to understand what God is inviting them to be a part of. I just love that it's just so real and we don't need to put that pressure on our kids or on ourselves that we just need to be living open-handed with the door open. I just love that picture. You know, that's just a nice visual. It's so many of us, we're kind of living a a system of faith. You know, what we've Mm -hmm. been told, the way things need to go. And like in your book, when you said that, you know, Jesus... Um, like courageously bucks the system. Like I kind of feel like you're doing that, mm-hmm. but you're giving us all like, like, permission permission mm-hmm. to take part because, you know, I might not be able to get my kid in a little circle every night and read the scripture to them because they're crazy and they're bouncing off the walls right. and yelling and like, you know, right. running around naked. Yeah. It's not pretty. <laughs> That's pretty normal. But like, it's more important to show them how to love people mm-hmm. and show them the love of Jesus. Like Amen. the guy next door or someone yeah. in their class, you know, to live our faith and not just read about it. So that's yes. what you're doing. And I'm so dang excited. Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's I love your Instagram feed. I love scrolling through it. I love how you see the beauty and in, in the messy and in the ugly places, maybe. You see the, yeah. the purpose in things, you know, for the bigger glory that's not for just us. Right. But it's, you know, I just love the way your perspective is on that. And I just love your feed. I love the way um, 
I can scroll through it and I get these amazing teaching moments and see your gorgeous family that's just like mine. That's, you know, not perfect, but beautiful. And uh, I love that you have amazing style. Like we can see your awesome style come through in your posts. Well, thank you. I don't feel like it's so funny because yeah, I feel like I, I haven't exercised that part of my brain as much lately with just, you know, I care about, I like style stuff. You guys mm-hmm. know this about me, yep. but I've taken, it's kind of been on the back burner. So it's, yeah, let's talk about that. Where does it come from? Like what, how do you, how are you so good at this? Were you just born like <laughs> cool? <laughs> oh my word. Wicked style uh, queen. Yeah. No, seriously. I wish I could. I wish I had pictures for me in high school right now to show. <laughs> whatever it I would don't... probably look cool <laughs> okay because that's back uh, in now <laughs> absolutely not you know here's a funny story I don't know that I've ever I don't know that I've ever written about this or talked about it but I so when I was in out of high school like on summer break from college or whatever I worked at Meyer. you guys know what oh, Meyer? oh I Meyer. I love Meyer. Oh. okay so I worked in the shoe department and so I met two of my best friends there. We're still, we're in each other's weddings. It was a whole oh. thing. We, we had a great experience, but I remember, so, you know, I'm in college, you know, kind of in between my childhood home and my future. And I remember walking, we had to walk through the home goods, like the home section Oh yeah. to get to the back room to get more shoes or whatever we had to do. So I remember walking through the aisle with like kitchen towels and all of that stuff. Oh, I love it. And I was with my friend, Sarah, and I said, I, I will never be able to decorate like a whole house. Like I, I don't know how people do that. I'll never be able to do that. I mean, I was completely, I have such a clear memory of that moment of being like, I just, I was overwhelmed by the towel, the hand towel section at Meyer. <laughs> I was like, how do people do this? I can never do this. So I, yeah, I don't know when I figured out that I enjoyed kind of decorating and mm. that kind of thing. It's certainly not like I was never an artistic person. I was never, you know, it was mm. a different time back then. <laughs> um, yeah. I grew up in a home that was, you know, my mom is not into stuff like that at all. So that was not a priority or even, and we, you know, there wasn't oh. much money. There was not, I mean, it was just, there was nothing. Maybe there was a random picture hanging on the wall, but probably not. And if it was, it was like the, <laughs> she, it was like the sheep with the checkerboard, with the hearts, with the, yes. we come, us too. Our moms, That's, our homes. It's the like same the, story. They're wonderful the wooden, people, but don't, yeah. don't, don't put pictures on the walls, mom. <laughs> like, like, Wooden cutouts of Amish people. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, we had all of the. That was our groove at home. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it started or where. I just, I have always been really into magazines of all kinds. So I really loved fashion magazines, even though I was very much not fashionable or even close to it. Anybody that I went to high school with would totally agree with me right oh, now. Oh, I love it. Oh, you're. But, I, I think we would have been friends in high school because I lived for like, I used to, my aunt used to get me like People magazine and I just would like oh, yeah. devour it and look at oh, all yeah. their. I mean, I bought Vogue. Oh, I was yeah. like Vogue and L. Yes. So I, I started to get into, I think probably once I got married and I was still having my crisis on, oh, oh my gosh, now I have to decorate a house. I don't know what oh. to do. I started reading, you know, like country living and country home and kind of some of those home lifestyle magazines. And I think that's probably where I started to get that maybe, 
you know, maybe I wanted to do more of that. And maybe, maybe I had an an eye for some of that. Hmm. I'm guessing it started there. That's awesome. So do you do a lot of like DIY stuff? I don't much. I mean, I, I'm not a super, like, I don't enjoy the idea of getting a piece of furniture and painting it. (laughs) I just don't like, I like it in theory, but I don't like it in practice. And so a lot of times I wouldn't say that I'm a big DIYer. I will say this. I'm, and most of the decorating stuff that I do now in, in our new home in the city is like 90%. If I bring something into our home, which our home is much smaller now, and so I have to be, I've had to really <laughs> pull back on what I bring in because there's just, we don't have a lot of wall space. We don't have a lot of room, um, but it's probably from a thrift store. So I've, I've had to become extremely thrifty, and that's been a really fun exercise for me to just, you know, it just pushes me. To, and so I think I've ended up with a bit more of like a quirky aesthetic than I used to have, a little more color, which I really enjoy. Um, but I bought a tablecloth mm. last winter at Anthropology <gasps> wow. for like 75% off. So you splurged. Oh, well, well it, on a sale. it was still a splurge, but it was like, I mean, I cannot believe what the original price tag said. So yes. it was like way clearanced. And we were in Chicago for the day getting passport stuff. So we, it was like one of the coldest days of the winter. It was crazy. It was a grumpy day until we went to anthropology <laughs> or I did. I don't think we went in. And so I bought this gorgeous tablecloth and I took it to a seamstress because I don't sew and she turned it into a shower curtain for me. Oh, Wow. And so I just hung it up last week. Oh, can we, you need to give us a picture of that. You need I know, to share I need that. to take a picture of it. It's so pretty. Oh my golly. Oh. I'm, I kind of regret that I didn't buy. Ten like, of them. It would have <laughs> made really cool curtains for my living room, but. Oh yeah. Alas. I mean, I could never have That's bought. Okay. Right. That many, but it's so pretty. So no, I'm not a DIYer. Like I couldn't sew it myself, but I have the vision. Right. See, that's yeah. me. And I'm thankful that I have a friend like Danette because she's the one that actually can do stuff. Yes. Well, I just or I wing have it. my husband. Like I'll yeah. have an idea and be like, so Corey, do you think you could do this? Oh, yeah. amen yeah. for our husbands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't like know what I'm doing. I just do stuff. Like I don't have the means to buy like really fancy stuff. So like, I'm like you, I like to, I have an eye for like finding just like, you know, there's the cutest little oddball thing that is good bones and you, you know, you can put it on your shelf and that's what you do. You like, you're the table, tablescape queen. You like take things and like (laughs) style it so pretty. And then everybody's like, wow. You know, oh, oh, it's a gift. Okay, you have something. I've seen this in your Instagram post. I'm not a crazy stalker, but I saw you had <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we, you had like a, it's like a vintage. Is it Pepsi? Or I'm trying to think what it is. And you hang your mugs on it. Yeah, my, it's a battery display. It's battery. It's so cool. It's my favorite thing. And that's so. Here's a good design tip for me. This is as good yes, as it's gonna get. It. When you like, I found that probably. Close to 10 years ago, when we were living on the farm, I went to an auction and I've, I'm always drawn to metal stuff. So it's this metal thing. I never knew what I was going to do with it. And so, you know, at the time we lived in this huge farmhouse, we had tons of room and that went somewhere in the basement because I, I didn't have an, a vision of what I wanted it to be. I just liked it. So I brought it home and I, for a while I thought, well, you know, maybe I could, cause it has these weird hooks on it. So I thought maybe I could hang my necklaces from it, but it's kind of awkwardly shaped. 
I kept carting it around. And so here we are in the new house and it hit me like Mm -hmm. a a ray of sunshine (laughs) (laughs) that it was perfect to hang mugs from. And it's my very favorite thing probably in in the entire house. And it has um, ignited within me a great passion for finding cute mugs from thrift stores, which is now, it's now like I'm now in problem territory with that because I mean, there's only so much room right. on this rack. It's maxed out. It's out of room. But now I like collecting stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun to have a collection. That one thing that you look for every thrift store you go to. And so my thing has become mugs. And I keep finding cute ones, and I'm running out of room. Yeah, and that was one of our things we wanted to ask you was, what was what's your design obsession? So is it mugs? Is that the thing it's you just look right for? Right now, yes. It, I, will, I have a few. So it's definitely mugs. Because if you find a really great, and I have found some really great mugs for like 50 cents, you're going to bring it home, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to kind of like, yes. I'm at that place where if I bring one home now, I need to also let one go. So it's a... Oh, smart. I I just don't have space. I've got a tiny kitchen. So mugs for sure. I tend to, if I buy, if I spend a little more money on something, it's probably art, like Mm -hmm. wall art. Mm -hmm. Which I also have a lot of that, but that to me can change a room so quickly is, you know, just by hanging a, a really gorgeous painting on mm, the wall or, yeah. you know, a print or um, something. My walls and throughout my whole house are white, and so I, I can change stuff out pretty frequently. So mugs, art, lighting mm-hmm. is essential yeah, in a yeah. home. Mm-hmm. So if you can, you know, we moved into this house that was brand new, which we had never lived in a new house before. It was intended to have just the very typical, mm. you know, builder grade flush mount lights everywhere. The big uh, lights. Uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't know. So thank you. Edit, so edit. We, beep, beep. <laughs> we brought in our, I mean, the chandelier. I have an old crusty metal chandelier hanging over my island in the kitchen. And that has been in four different homes now. We just keep taking it down and bringing it with us when we move. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. And, you know. When people look at your Instagram feed and the pictures you post, the, I think the thing that gets us and draws us in is that it's a less is more approach. And so you have a white background. Like, you know, we need more white rooms, if you mm. ask me, because it lets your um, accents and the things that your we pieces should blame speak. trading spaces for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Like at they, the everything room. They right. painted everything. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. In the farmhouse every wall in the whole house was painted a color and they went together. I mean, I wasn't, you know, they all kind of flowed and worked, but this is the first house. And I had always wanted to do, I was drawn to all white walls, but I was nervous about it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so one of the blog, like kind of design blogs, I, do you guys ever read whatever with Meg Dirksen? Yeah, I do. I don't, I'm going to find that. She's, oh yeah, you'll she, love it. I feel like she's the one that finally tipped me over the edge on the key for me. The, for me, the key to doing all white walls is to bring in a lot of crazy color in other places. Mm-hmm. Like some people can do the, like Dreamy Whites is another blog where she, her palette is very subdued and peaceful and kind of French country. It's gorgeous, right. very pale or like the shabby chic stuff that was so in mm-hmm. for so long. That's not my vibe. So my vibe is much more colorful, crazy, clashy, quirky. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
And for me, that's just, you know, not everybody likes a bunch of crazy color, but it turns out that I do. So, <laughs> well, I love it. And Meg does it so well. Like, I, like, she does. She, she does a great job. Yeah. She's got a great eye. So she gets some credit for my, for my, mm. you know, she's been a, somebody that has influenced my style for sure. That's so cool. It's good to have people like that mm-hmm. that you can uh, also like bounce <laughs> ideas off of, you know, and they see something and they, they know it's you, you know, yes. and that's yeah. just yep. so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love the nester. Like she's, you know, she's awesome. Too. The nest- Did you say the nester? Yeah. The nester. Yep. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. And she's, it's fun to see how people's style evolves. I mean, her style is pretty different than it was when I first discovered her years ago. Right. And and my like I like looking back on my own kind of evolution of my style and it we're constantly changing and I right. think that's that's you know a creative person doesn't want things to stay the same for too long. So yeah, it's good to just kind of let ourselves try new things and you know give ourselves permission to try things and to change and to change our minds and all of that. It's just a house. It's not rocket science. Yep. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask you one other question that's kind of off the design thing. Sure. Um, and I was just thinking of like, we know that you write and that you're like the way that you write is such a gift to us. But I was wondering like in your regular life, what do you, what is, cause we talk a lot about how God has made each of us individually and like what's unique gifts that he's only given to us to use to bless others and for his glory. And I was just, you know, wondering what you believe your gift to be. What is something that God has put into you that you use um, to love on those neighbors, you know, in your little city neighborhood and, mm-hmm. you know, your, your church that you guys are going to, those kinds of things that I think I would love to see and hear about you in that yeah, respect. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, um, this is a, I feel like in a lot of ways, God did not equip me right for this job. <laughs> <laughs> and he clearly disagrees with that. But I, you know, I think, Sometimes we, sometimes it can be easy to think like, well, but I'm not gifted in those areas. And so that's not, that couldn't possibly what God wants me to do. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been better for me if God had made me more extroverted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm constant, and and my husband, Corey, is even more introverted than I am. So it's interesting. That's an interesting challenge for us. And I think that's where God is saying, listen, it's not about like what you're naturally good at, because you could kind of handle that on your own. Hmm. So being, being introverted and being, you know, we've got this, we've got this kind of built in thing that just prefers to, you know, hole up and, and be alone and kind of circle in and all of those things. But we also have this great compulsion to meet the world around us. And so these two things are very much in conflict with each other all the time. And so I don't know. I mean, I think the thing that that God has put in me that probably best serves my neighborhood is just a real passion for my place and for understanding that God is already at work around me and that I can be a part of it or I can choose to, you know, be a, mm-hmm. just an introvert and say, well, that's not my gifting. So, you know, I'm just going to stay inside. And I don't know. I mean, I think he just keeps giving us this, this greater and greater and greater love for the people around us. And, you know, a, almost like a stubbornness, mm-hmm. like we feel pretty stubborn on their behalf. And we, we believe so much that God has created this neighborhood and this city 
um, in so much love and with so much purpose that we are just determined to be a part of what's going on here. You know, we're, we're going to very stubbornly defend our neighbors and we're going to stubbornly insert ourselves in their lives at times. Yeah. And, you know, but it, it's kind of cool in a way. I mean, I tease around that I wish God would have, you know, listened to me and made me a different way, but it just requires, it requires us to really lean on him in ways that we never had to do before. You know, if we, if we only fall back on what we're naturally gifted at, I think we miss out on a lot because I think God calls us out of our comfort zone so much that, you know, that it's got to be a mix of both. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so true. And, you know, we all tend to turn in on ourselves and it's hard to yeah. get out there and really want to do the, you know, make relationships and stuff. And that's yeah. beautiful. And, you know, I think just reading your book and reading your blog and, you know, you tend to leave that door ajar, right? So yeah. the way God has made you is like the door is ajar and you're making relationships and people can know that they can come to you, but you're not like standing on your front step, like waving your arms, like, come right. in, come in, right. let's, let's hang, let's do, you know, they, nobody totally. would, well, nobody would come honestly, in. <laughs> right. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I always wish that I would get to the place where, I mean, and I, I talk about this in the book, but I, I want to make sure people really know that this is, Really the truth. Many times, you know, we have this door ajar mentality, but we still get, often hear that knock on the door and think, no, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, right. it is not instinctive for us to be like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, somebody's kind of interrupting our schedule because isn't that what we're all, you know, we tend right. to think our schedule and our plans and our time. <laughs> so we still a lot of times have to fight against that, oh, that right. initial reaction to see things as a as an interruption (laughs) and you know, when really it's an invitation, you know, so I I always hope that it gets easier, but so far that hasn't happened. So we continue to just fight that and to push through and, and every single time, every single time. And, and I will say, we don't always say yes. I mean, we can't and don't say yes. We don't always jump into every little thing that's going on around us because we're humans and we're people and we have kids and all of that. So you know, there is a time to say no, for mm-hmm. sure. But the times that we say yes, and often the times that it's hardest to say yes, mm-hmm. we, we never walk away regretting. Right. Yeah. Never. I, I was kind of giggling when you were talking about the knock on the door because, like, myself and another friend, like, I know that both of us have, like, hid from people when they've come to our house and, like, oh, knocked on yeah. our door. We're so bad. But, like, sometimes you just can't do it and you're, like, sometimes, hiding from yeah. the person at your door. <laughs> Kids, shh. Everyone quiet. There's <laughs> right. no, it's yes. so wrong. But like I have done that. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. Oh, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on by design. We love chatting with you. We could I feel fun. like we could talk to you for like another hour about more we things. We totally could. But we thank totally you. could. And thank you yeah. for writing this book. And I can't wait. Will you please come back when you when you're launching the second one? Absolutely. Yay. Yeah. Yay. That feels, I mean, that's like five or 10 years away. Okay. Well, that's okay. Like, that's okay. <laughs> Heaven knows. Far away. <laughs> yeah. We're Whenever just, it happens. Yes. Lord I'm willing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So if you've been listening, we'll have all of the things we've talked about in the show notes. So make sure you check out bydesignpodcast.com for those and make sure that you go out and you get Shannon Martin's new book, Falling Free. You will not regret it. So thank you, Shannon. Thanks, ladies. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, everyone, I hope you loved hearing from Shannon Martin just as much as Danette and I loved talking with her. So make sure you get her book and uh, check out her, her blog and all of that will be on the show notes. So thanks for listening, friends. Bye. Bye.